Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season three of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, August 28th, the year of our Lord, 2022. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we bow our heads and humble ourselves before your throne of mercy and of grace. As we begin our Bible study, we ask you to join us in the study of your word. Anoint my lips of clay so that your word goes forth in spirit and in truth. Hide me behind the shadow of your cross so that you only are seen and heard in this Bible study. Will you bind the powers of the spirit of darkness so that not one evil deed is met against this ministry or these your people? Bless each person within the sound of my voice and be ye glorified. In Jesus' name, I ask all of these things and give you thanks even now in advance for answered prayer. Count it as done by faith and in accordance with your word. Amen. Ladies, today we continue our Bible study on the book of Ezekiel. This is a book that many women may not want to read First, because it is a difficult book to read, and second, because many identify Ezekiel as a misogynist, meaning someone who despises or is strongly prejudiced against women. They have arrived at this conclusion based on the sexually explicit imagery and several chapters of the book of Ezekiel, particularly in chapters 16 and 23, where some of the imagery is violent and abusive against women. It's going to take us quite a bit of time to work our way through the entire book of Ezekiel, and we will do chapters 16 and 23 together because of the nature of the text. But I hope you will hang in there with me as we work our way through this interesting text because there is more to Ezekiel's sexually violent imagery than that which first meets the eye. I fully recognize that this text and its long history of interpretation has done some serious and irrevocable harm to women, but we must still question what drove Ezekiel to write such explicit sexually violent imagery and what were the historical, sociological, and cultural forces in play at the time of Ezekiel's writing that makes these images symbolically and rhetorically powerful today. When we come back, we're going to continue our study on the book of Ezekiel with part one of a four-part series examining texts from Ezekiel's chapters 8 through 11. We begin part one of this series today in Ezekiel chapter 8. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today we continue our Bible study on the book of Ezekiel with part one of a four-part series examining text from Ezekiel chapters 8 through 11 titled Visions of the Temple, 
abominations, and ethical abuses. We begin this series today in Ezekiel chapter 8, and I'm not going to read all of the verses of the chapter because they are rather long, but I will refer to them as we work our way through the text for your future reference. And I will either read from the King James Version or the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Ladies, in chapter 8, we see that Ezekiel is beginning to engage in public activity as the elders come to him to make inquiries about God. What this means is that at least some of the exiles have come to recognize Ezekiel as a prophet, and they are according him a level of authority. The subject of the elders' inquiry is not specifically stated. However, while the elders are speaking with Ezekiel, God carries him to the temple of Jerusalem where he witnesses the abominations of the city. So we can assume that the vision holds the answer to the elders' questions. According to our text, God makes provisions to save those who are aggrieved and resentful of the abominations of the city, but it does not state whether anyone deserving of deliverance is found. In Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 8, Ezekiel implies that no one escapes execution because he says, while they were killing and I was left alone, I fell face down crying out, alas, sovereign Lord, are you going to destroy the, destroy the entire remnant of Israel in this outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? As God commands his heavenly executioners to take coals from the altar and scatter them on the city, destruction spreads from the temple itself through the city, and the divine glory departs the temple, indicating that destruction is inevitable. So let's begin our four-part series by unpacking Ezekiel chapter 8. We have talked about a few different types of formulas in our study of Ezekiel. There is the direct address formula, which says, and you, son of man. That is used throughout the Ezekiel text to introduce God's command to perform symbolic acts. There is the recognition formula, which says, and you will know that I am the Lord. This is God's declaration that the exiles will remember and recognize the ways in which they have betrayed their covenant with God. Then we study the messenger formula, which is used when a messenger introduces an oracle and sometimes links an announcement of judgment to an accusation, such as in Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 7, which says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you are more turbulent than the nations that are all around you and have not followed my statutes or kept my ordinance and have not even acted according to the ordinances of the nations that are all around you. So this is the reason for the judgment. There is a word event formula that begins with the report of a revelation and continues with the messages in the form of several word event expressions to indicate the beginning of a new unit. For example, Ezekiel chapter 6 verse 2 says, O mortal, Set your face toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. 
The message begins in verse three and continues through verse seven, which says, you mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and the hills, to the ravines and the valleys. I, I myself will bring a sword upon you and I will destroy your high places. Your altar shall become desolate and your incense stand shall be broken. And I will throw down your slain in front of your idols. I will lay the corpses of the people of Israel in front of their idols. And I will scatter your bones around your altar. Wherever you live, your town shall be waste and your high places ruined so that your altars will be waste and ruined your idols broken and destroyed, your incense stands cut down, and your works wiped out. The slain shall fall in your mess. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And that, of course, is the recognition formula. So this language expands the address to include the mountains and hills, ravines and valleys. In other words, the entire land of Israel. In our text today, we come upon a date formula. Ezekiel chapter one, chapter eight, verses one through four says, in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day, while I was sitting in my house and the elders of Judah were sitting before me, the hand of the sovereign Lord came on me there. I looked and saw a figure like that of a man from what appeared to be his waist down, he was like fire. And from there up, his appearance was as bright as glowing metal. He stretched out what looked like a hand and took me by the hair of my head. The spirit filled me up between earth and heaven, or excuse me, the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven. And in visions of God, he took me to Jerusalem to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. And there before me was the glory of the God of Israel as in the vision I had seen in the plain. So the date of the vision is the sixth year of the deportation. The setting of the vision is described as in Ezekiel's house when the elders of Judah had come to him then Ezekiel is carried away in a divine vision from his house to Jerusalem. So just as in Ezekiel chapter three, verse 14, Ezekiel feels the hand of the Lord on him and he is carried away by a spirit. Ezekiel chapter eight, verse two provides an indicated, uh, an intricate description of the form and appearance of the angelic agent. The angelic agent in the NRSV is described as a figure that looked like a man, in other words, a human being. In the King James Version, the figure is identified as the spirit in verse 3, but not the glory, which Ezekiel encountered only on his arrival to Jerusalem in verse 4. This spirit carries Ezekiel to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court. And this at each subsequent scene, God instructs Ezekiel to look at the a particular ritual. As Ezekiel describes each act that he witnesses, God condemns it and warns Ezekiel that he will witness more awful abominations 
and abuses. So ladies, just to clarify, the title of our study today is Visions of the Temple, Abominations and Ethical Abuses. These are the visions that God is about to show Ezekiel, the abominations and ethical abuses that his chosen people are committing in the temple, God's sacred place. And I feel compelled to warn you that this is not going to be pretty. As a matter of fact, God not only condemns this particular ritual that Ezekiel is witnessing, but he warns Ezekiel that he will see even more horrible abominations, including idolatries of the house of Judah. There are four separate scenes, and the abominations represent separate stages of a coherent ritual of complaint from the exiles. The purpose of the ritual of complaint is to implore the return of God whose absence has brought on national distress. God's absence demands the highest expression of devotion and piety, and the devotion begins with the image of jealousy. In verse 3 of our text, Ezekiel is sitting in a doorway that opens north, and he identified this doorway as the location of the seat of the image of jealousy that provokes jealousy. In verse 4, Ezekiel says that the God of Israel was there. Conventional interpretation of this image of jealousy is that it is an idol of another God, lowercase g. So an idol and making idols has provoked the God of Israel to jealousy. Now, remember that in Exodus chapter 20, verse five, God tells Israel, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. So this is a serious offense. The first scene of abomination occurs in verses five through six, which says, O mortal, lift up your eyes now in the direction of the north. Ezekiel says, so I lifted up mine eyes toward the north and there north of the altar gate in the entrance was this image of jealousy. He said to me, mortal, do you see what they are doing? the great abomination that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. Yet you will see still greater abominations. Now note that it is not just the image itself, but its location that provokes God's anger because this abomination drove God from the sanctuary and had a negative impact on the people. You see this idol image that provoked jealousy was an image of zeal. The image of zeal is to draw near to the altar, but God says this ritual actually draws the house of Israel far from the sanctuary. Verses 7 through 13 is the second scene of abomination where God directs Ezekiel to a more appalling scene. He tells Ezekiel to dig through a hole in the wall of the temple and see the vile abominations that Israel was committing there. 
The room was large enough to hold the 70 elders of Israel, which is reminiscent of the 70 elders who represented Israel along with Moses, Aaron, and Abihu in the ratification of the covenant at Mount Sinai. You can see Exodus chapter 24, verse 1 for that. The room has wood carvings of animal figures on the walls and was completely dark during the ritual. According to verse five, the images were numerous and of every kind of creature and the people of Israel decorated the walls of the temple with these images. And interestingly, the animal carvings were representations of composite animal figures, such as those positioned at the thresholds in the seventh and sixth century Assyrian and Babylonian architecture to protect the building from evil forces. So these images reflect the Jerusalemites' familiarity with and appropriation of these pictorial trends. Ezekiel called these animal figures idols of the house of Israel, but the elders regarded them as intermediaries between the people and God simply because the people did not invoke them by name, but rather spoke to these animal figures about God, saying, the Lord does not see us, the Lord has forsaken the land. So the 70 elders made claims against the covenant by complaining <laughs> to these intermediaries, these idols about God, that God did not see them and had forsaken the land. This abominable act puts distance between the elders and God. Verse six says, mortal, do you see what they are doing? The great abomination that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me from my sanctuary. Yet you will see still greater abominations. Verses 14 through 15 is the third scene of abomination. It says, then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. Women sitting there weeping for Tamas. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O mortal? You will see still greater abominations than these. God carries Ezekiel to the northern gate and tells him to witness the women weeping for Tamas. The holy place was reserved for priests, and it was here that the women were worshiping the pagan god, Tamaz, by the way, spelled T-A-M-M-U-Z, pronounced Tamaz, who was associated with immoral and impure rites. Worship of this god in ancient times was associated with the basis immoralities, and the women of Israel gave themselves up to this shameful practice. Finally, the fourth scene of abomination is found in verses 16 through 18. Ezekiel says, and he, that would be God, brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord, there at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 75 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, prostrating themselves to the sun toward the east. 
Then he said to me, have you seen this, O mortal? Is it not bad enough that the house of Judah commits the abominations done here? Must they fill the land with violence and provoke my anger still further? See, they are putting the branch to the nose. Therefore, I will act in wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my hearing with a loud voice, I will not listen to them. So God has brought Ezekiel back to where they began in the first scene, the inner court of the temple. Remember that in the first scene, the court was devoid of everything except the images of jealousy or zeal, which we talked about earlier. Now there are 25 men between the vestibule and the altar. This scene is reminiscent of the national lament described in Joel chapter 2, Verse 17, which says, between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers, and the Lord weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? In verses 16 through 18 of our text, these 25 men prostrate themselves toward the east, demonstrating their contempt for God. Can you believe this? By standing in a way that placed their backs to the temple while they reverenced the sun. See 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 5 and 11. Far from a rejection of God, this prostration toward the east reflects the association between God and the sun. In this way, they worship the cre creature rather than the creator. This act of waiting for the appearance of the sun is the climax of the ritual of idol worship that began with the elders' request in their darkened room and which will end in the morning when God's appearing is as sure as the dawn. In, this, in his vision of the temple, Ezekiel saw a horrible variety of idolatries and abominations that the people of Israel or Jerusalem considered trivial, but that God considered abominable. The people filled the land with violence, resulting in social chaos and injustice. The statement they are putting the branch to the nose expresses the contempt that the people of Jerusalem have for God. In addition, putting the branch to their nose might also describe the way God felt about how his subjects treated him. From beginning to end, the ritual of complaint expresses confidence in God's faithfulness to, to Israel and misplaced confidence in Israel's faithfulness to God as it acts out its devotion by way of the image of jealousy or zeal. God's reaction draws attention to the social and political consequences of the Jerusalem's cultic abominations. The Jerusalemites have defiled the temple, and as if that is not bad enough, they have also filled the land with violence, which makes it impossible for God to answer their ritual of complaint that he has abandoned them. Instead, in verse 18, God says, 
I will act with wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my hearing with a loud voice, I will not listen to them. This is God's closing declaration because of the great idolatries and sins of Jerusalem, which the people regarded as trivial, God's judgment was assured and could not be turned back. Due to the corruption of his people, God would proceed in judgment in spite of the loud cries of his people. God declares that from now on, his ears are closed to all pleas for mercy. The ritual of complaint has failed and God prepares to abandon Jerusalem to destruction. And this is our cliffhanger. We will pick this up next week when we look at Ezekiel chapter 9 and continue our study on the vision of the temple, abominations and ethical abuses, part two. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.com. You may donate to Broken Vessels, hyphen, Mended and Whole. Or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Please join me next week as we continue our Bible study of the book of Ezekiel right here on Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S, Nelson today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you. Amen. Oh, <laughs>